Yo, it's Adesola. This interview with Jessa is important for all of us to hear because what she's learned over and over again is that no one can define her. No one can lay claim to who she is and what she represents, which I think we all struggle with, fitting someone else's narrative of who we should be instead of being who we want to be for ourselves. We've all found ourselves being told we should be compliant workers that don't ask questions. The nice one, the angry one, the only person of color in a room that's supposed to be the lawyer, judge, and jury for racism at your company. No one should be tokenized, no one should be fetishized, and no one should be pigeonholed. Jessa and myself are two Black creatives who often find ourselves in this position. It is part of the reason we gravitated towards each other and cherish each other, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get it started. And I am Carolyn. And this is Creatives on Deck, an interview-style podcast where we talk to creatives who often find themselves working in two worlds, in their artistic endeavors that make them thrive and the service jobs that not only fund their livelihoods, but teach them about people. This week, our guest is Jessa Jordan. A fearless, sarcastic, non-monogamous Black femme learning, living, and loving in Philadelphia, PA. Making ends meet as an independent erotic laborer, writer, educator, indie event coordinator, and reproductive justice, human rights, and sex workers' rights advocate. Best known for her viral photo and commentary from the photo project Topless in New York, her role as festival director of Abortion Palooza, and her work with BIPOC Adult Industry Collective, Jessa has been known to drink the blood of misogynists and will punish anyone in the name of the moon. Hell yeah. As a writer, her style has been heavily influenced by the prose of Toni Morrison, Miranda July, Charles Bukowski, Anais Nin, and Alex L. Tiny and powerful, Jessa swapped climbing trees in her youth for climbing poles in her 20s, and is usually found dancing to equal parts Kidney Thieves and Janae Aiko on any given night, but especially at all Inversions pole performance productions in Philadelphia and beyond. Published in the likes of Shout Your Abortion, Hustler Magazine, Nasty Volume 2, and Subvert Mag, she is now working on her first fiction novel, several short erotica novels, and an upcoming podcast. So Ooh. impressive! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Carolyn was mentioning before how she read your bio. It was like, damn! And I was like, Carolyn, you're the same exact way. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I turn around, Carolyn's in a different band, working on a different project. She's like, oh yeah, I'm in this country today. I'm like, what? <laughs> when Love you that. sleep? I was just, yeah, yeah, I was just like reading the list and I was like, yes, this sounds like someone who doesn't get a lot of sleep. And when they do get some sleep, they go to bed very tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally every time I see someone, I'm just like, they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm tired. Like, that's my <laughs> only response. I'm like, I'm tired. Still here somehow. (laughs) Okay, but down to business. What was your first job and how old were you? (laughs) (laughs) She laughs. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I was in Philly at this point and I was 15 and I was like two weeks out from turning 16, which is when you are legally able to work. So my first job was actually working under the table at a Caribbean restaurant 
that I won't name, but it is still there in the space that it <laughs> occupies on South Street. And I worked there for maybe the three weeks before I turned 16. And then I jumped ship and immediately started working at Rita's. But like, I remember that manager at that job just being like, so fucking aggravating. Like there was only one shift and it was like almost 12 hours. And literally like he's paying me like out of the register. And I'm just like, all right, this is pretty much what I expected, but uh, it still sucks a lot. Um, (laughs) And he was never like creepy or like rude or anything, but like he just, you could tell like he hated his job. And, like, he was also the chef, so he was just, like, slaving away in the kitchen. It's hot as fuck in there. So he's just, like, angry all of the time. Um, So, yeah, that was was the first gig. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like when the chef is also the owner and the main manager, that's always a sign of, ooh, okay, I probably shouldn't ask too many questions. Nope. (laughs) Back away slowly. What were some other jobs you've had along the way to where you are now and how did all of them influence you did any of the people stick with you from those I actually still do think about this uh person that I worked with at Rita's she was like a couple years older than I was and like already in college and like would frequently just like read at the register if it got like super slow you know her name was Sarah and she's just like so funny and quirky and weird. And I was like, I love you. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to grow up and be weird like you. <laughs> huh. I've had like so many weird jobs. Uh, the one bartender at one of the dives that I worked at, just top to bottom, the management at this place was fucking trash. But like the one manager was like really rad. And I like he was like one of the only people that I actually liked working with. But one day he like slapped me on the ass and I was just like, yeah, no, I, I immediately like lost all respect for you now. There was another dude that worked at the same bar who had a double life where he worked at this bar on the side as like security, which we never needed. I did not understand that. And at the time I was also working for realtor. I was doing like marketing stuff and I was like hustling, trying to move. So I'm like, I have to do all these fucking jobs. That dude was also a realtor and his license had lapsed. So he didn't have access to like documents and stuff, (laughs) which I'm like, these are like legally binding agreements and you don't have access to this shit because you won't pay the $200 it is to renew your fucking license. Like there's a lot of red flags coming up. I don't, I don't really know, (laughs) you know, like what this dude's doing. But I remember that he asked me to get some docs from my work and bring them to him like just like blank copies and I did it and then I was like all right I quit like I can't have any attachment or like connection to this dude and Mm -hmm. so stuff like that you know where it's like just like the weirdest lessons of like you know if you do something really shady and weird like and it makes you kind of question like why the fuck you even did in the first place probably just pull back just like (laughs) sever all ties immediately (laughs) and just be like all right I'm cutting and running um, I had a really misogynistic, shitty boss at said real estate place to the point where I was like, wow, if I ever have, you know, people who I am hiring and that work for me, like I never want them to feel like the place that they like come and spend like half their fucking day is like the most 
soul-sucking, draining place on earth. I never want them to feel that way. I never, you know, I'm going to like be so mad and so frustrated that they messed up on this thing that I'm still in the process of teaching them that I'm going to like fucking berate them and like slam my hands on tables and intimidate them. And just, you know, just like every level of being a shit human. Also like having to sit next to him as he's like yelling and cursing at his own like spouse, not a high point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That too. Don't, don't yell at your partners in public in any capacity in general, but uh, (laughs) it's certainly not next to the person that's like your assistant. Because that's just fucking awkward. So in your fantastic bio here, (laughs) you talk about being an independent erotic laborer. How did that journey start? And what made you decide to be independent rather than having a manager or being part of any agency? I've always been independent. I started out as like a fine art, like nude model. And... (laughs) I never had like an agent or any sort of like representation. I mean, you don't really need it in that side of the industry, but yeah, I just was like, I can learn how to book my own gigs and I can learn how to like market myself. And, you know, these are all skills that are incredibly helpful and useful anyway. So why, you know, pay like 10, 20, whatever percent of my earnings to someone who's just going to do something that I can do like, run my own Instagram account, I can do that. Have different ads up on different like modeling platforms, I can obviously write fucking ads. You know, so it just never even occurred to me to try to like have someone represent me. And as I've kind of gotten into more explicit forms of work, still the same thing applies. Like I thought about having an agent for like adult film, but it's like, that would be also draining. Not that like it would be to the point where you'd be, I'd be forced into taking, you know, work that I don't want or something like that. But I don't know that I want to pay someone else for me to go and have sex and do the things like that just feels, I can't wrap my head around that. (laughs) It's just like, "Mm, no, like, why do you get the cut (laughs) when I, I did, I did the thing. So yeah, I've just been like pretty happy and successful to not have to do that. And especially with like platforms being the way that they are, like I don't have OnlyFans. I use a platform called Jester Fans, but things like that make the work accessible to fans. And, you know, you don't have to really rely on having like an agent to get you like mainstream work because some of that also just comes with networking and, you know, talking to people, putting out good work and people wanting to hire you. So, yeah. How long have you been doing erotic work? Um, so film has been the last two years. And uh, stripping before that was like... (laughs) I feel so old. (laughs) It's been like a good like six, seven years, I'd say. And modeling is about nine. So... It's been a decade (laughs) of just like going super hard and just like doing as much as I can and showing diversity because, yeah, I feel like that was one thing when I first started was really hard. Like a lot of people wanted to pin the whole like, oh, you have tattoos, you have piercings, you're an alternative model. I'm like, I'm a model. Like you can put me in any environment. You can give me any sort of concept to work with and I will execute it fucking phenomenally like 
I don't like the idea of that limitation, you know? So it's just been years and years of trying to help people understand that and stop placing limitations on people. Don't ask me if it's worked or not, because I'm still sure that a lot of people are like, she's still an alternative model. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) But at least you're helping other people stop that description of themselves to others, you know? At least yeah. one in one direction, you're helping people understand they don't have to be pigeonholed. Right. Yeah. I did want to ask a question, though, about um, along the same lines about what happened when you cut your hair. So mm-hmm. what Callum doesn't know is <laughs> when I met Jessa before, she had a really, really big, like, afro. And I remember when you cut your hair, there was a little bit, you, you, would, you used to talk about there was like a little bit of a pushback about that. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause it had been my signature, I think. Okay. So this is like a two part story. So the first part of it is <laughs> when I was doing a lot of nude modeling work, I also worked for a company that is also redacted and <laughs> I hate giving them airtime, but so I just like had been doing work with them for almost like four years. And that was how I kind of established myself and built like my brand around that. So at that time, I also was using a ton of like straight haired wigs because naturally trying to appeal to their target demographic. And afterward, I was just like so tired of that, that I was like, what is more of a fuck you than being like, fuck these stupid ass straight haired wigs. I'm just going to go with my natural hair. Which at the time too, like, I feel like we consider like the natural hair movement to be pretty prominent now, but there wasn't any of that hype at the time. So it was just like to see someone who had been presenting one way for so long, completely do like a 180 and be like so adamant about it. I think that was like a huge reason that like people kind of started to gravitate towards me a little bit more. And so, yeah. So like when I decided to cut it, it was just like... I don't know, like people kind of felt like I didn't have as much to offer, you know, in terms of my look and my style, which is devastating. But like, that's the entertainment industry, right? Like, it's all about your appearance. It's all about how they can market it and what the angle is, which, you know, it's fine, whatever. I have a thick skin. So the only thing that I can say is it showed me the people who weren't really artists and who I didn't need to collaborate with because they were just shooting me to have like a black model who had an Afro in their portfolio. It wasn't about Mm. the idea of actually creating, you know, some phenomenal photographs or something. Like I've called out a few people too. There's a photographer in Phoenix who remains to this day, the worst shoot I've ever fucking had. I was staying with him and his then partner. It was around Thanksgiving. They were headed to, I think like LA from Phoenix And so they were like, yeah, you'll get to like crash at our house and we're not going to be here. So you can like, you know, do whatever you want. And I was like, that's really cool because I this is the first time I'm meeting you guys. I'm like, wow, the power of Tumblr friendships. Crazy. (laughs) I had just taken something like a 14 hour bus trip to get to Phoenix. And so I was exhausted. It was like seven at night. They had not asked me if I wanted to shoot or like anything like that. But as soon as I got to their house, the chick was like, yeah, like you know, he's a really great photographer and like, you should totally work with him. Cause like, you'll get some really nice images and like, blah, 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 like just trying to sell me on working with him. And I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like, I don't really want to. And then it became, you know, oh, well, like you kind of don't have a choice in the matter. Cause like his lights are already set up. 
and he wants to shoot. <laughs> and it was like, wow. Oh. So I was like, okay, cool. And then what killed me the most is that he wanted to shoot a milk bath, which in my oh. opinion is like the worst fucking concept of all time. I hate them. I hate them. I don't think they're interesting. I don't think they're creative. And I've like literally turned people down for work, like paid work because they wanted to shoot a milk bath concept. And I'm like, I just, I don't care. like snobby elitism all the way when it comes to milk baths like fuck it (laughs) i don't care and um so to this day he's like the only person who has gotten milk bath photos out of me and he's never given me any other types of fucking photos from that shoot like so yeah fuck anybody who doesn't return work to you when you have traded like your time and your energy and your skill with them i had to call him out last year because during all of the Black Lives Matter protests in the summer, posted and tagged a handful of fucking black models that he had shot over the years and was like, I like shoot with black models and da da da, like all this other stupid shit. And I just like lost it. (laughs) I lost it so hard because in all of that, while we were shooting this milk bath, this insidiously stupid concept, he farted (laughs) over top of me. And so I'm just sitting there and he didn't say, excuse me. He didn't even acknowledge it. He just kept shooting. And I was like losing my mind because you can't move. You're in a fucking bathtub. So I was just like, great, great, great. So all of those memories were brought back to me as he had tagged me. And I was just like, yeah, no, fuck you. You so deserve this call out. I do have like uh, a bit of a temper, but I try to like reserve you know, that energy. And I don't love to like put stuff on the internet. That's negative. But this was just like, sometimes, sometimes people need it though. Nah, let it, let it loose when you need to. <laughs> I was like, I've already been stressed. We're all stressed and <laughs> you're a piece of shit. So like, fuck it. Who cares? Mm-hmm. In dealing with a lot of the modeling, the contractual stuff, the paperwork yourself, how have you been able to make sure that you're paid, that you're safe, and that you're treated respectfully on set? Uh, I've been extremely lucky. I haven't really had any hiccups on set, you know, any consent violations, anything like that, especially with contracts, because like a lot of times you you really just have to sign a model release. It's not usually so much of a contract, but there was this one person that I worked with also last year who he claims he's never paid any of the models that he's worked with. And I was like, that's fine. Why is that something you're going to brag about, though? First of all, yeah, I was like, that's not the flex you think it is, honey. Like, that's so weird. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that just tells me that you've only shot novice like models and that's fine but like don't brag to me when this is like my job and especially because like I was like this is why you're not a good fit for people who work professionally as models he spent the entire shoot telling me exactly how he wanted me to pose he did not let me like you know and I'm like that's kind of the whole point of hiring someone who's a professional they know how to do the thing they can just move on their own um so it was very strange but he originally wasn't going to have me sign a release. And I was like, well, that's really weird because we shot nude work. And so if anything, I'm like, you should definitely have a copy of my ID 
and a release to prove that you weren't just like shooting some random stranger in the middle of the woods. Like, you know, that's, that's fucking weird. Um, and so I was like, well, also, you know, the other red flag is that you can't confirm that I was of legal age at the time that these nude photographs of me were taken. So I was like, all around, this is like a very strange position to put yourself in, especially knowing that you've shot like other people and have claimed to have shot people who are under the age of 18. Um, so I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. You're, you're creepy. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I got like, skeevy. Very creep vibes. But yeah, he asked if he could pick up the release. Like when he finally decided he was going to use one, he emailed it to me. And then he was like, well, can I come pick it up from your house? And I was like, there's literally no, no reason. And like, he didn't know where I lived. Cause like I, had my partner come to be like an assistant. And so like, we just had this person like drop us off, like on the corner, like two blocks away from our house. And that's kind of where he picked us up. And I'm like, so he doesn't know like where specifically what street or what my house even looks like. And so I was like very creeped out that he even offered to do that. Cause I was like, you don't need to, like we live in the future. You emailed this to me. I can email it back to you. Like what the fuck are you talking about? It'll be something weird like that. I try to give everybody like a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but like weird things do happen. And I just kind of approach them accordingly. You know, getting the car not at your house, but near your house. Are there other built in sort of like security measures you take for yourself? Absolutely. So my new thing has been if I've shot a project, you know, that requires I need to sign um, a W-9 for it. I have been using like an employee ID number instead of my social security number, which is something that like people don't think about. So an employee ID tax ID number is something that is free. You can apply for it on the IRS website if you're Mm -hmm. in the States, naturally. It takes like, I don't know, like 15 minutes to kind of like pick out what industry you're in, give like a little overview of like why you need the ID number in the first place. And then they just like send you an email and you have this number that you can use. And so it's linked to your identity so that you can use it for tax purposes. And as I've gotten more involved with shooting for companies instead of like direct to just individual clients, a lot of companies are asking to pay by direct deposit instead of through like services like PayPal or Cash App or something like that. It's just like picking and choosing the way that you send sensitive documents and understanding that like anything can become compromised, like when it's in an email. So trying to get more on that savvy end of it where I'm like, okay, like I will totally send you my banking information, but I'm going to do it through this secured document file sender. Yeah. So I've been using like DocuSign and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Letting someone know when and where I'm and who I'm shooting with. um, If it's someone that Mm -hmm. I've never worked with before Because a lot of times, like, the photographers are male, cis, het male. Also, though, like, just being able to screen someone's energy, which sounds so weird. But, like, when they're contacting you and when they're interacting with you online, you know, how do they talk to you? What's their tone Mm -hmm. like? What types of words are they using? Because that, believe it or not, has, like, made the difference in shooting with people who have, you know, turned up and been labeled people who have assaulted, you know, models or performers. Also just like being on guard and just like not 
accepting like drugs or alcohol. I mean, I know this sounds like so weird, but like these are things that people potentially will offer during a shoot because they're like used to either people who are not super comfortable or just like might be nervous because of any number of things that day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, like, you know, here's some weed, like chill out or like I can get you a glass of wine or like, you know, rum and coke, whatever I have just to like kind of calm your nerves so you won't because it shows up obviously in the work. Right. Also, you know, knowing that that's like a boundary for me where it's like if I don't know this person, I'm not going to accept a drink from them. It could be drug. In addition to the fact that it's like it's I'm working like I shouldn't be impaired in any sort of way because that's going to, again, affect the work. So just like things like that, where it's like, I won't say basic because it does not come to everyone. Those are things that I have learned through networking and talking to other people in the industry and like learning, like if someone does these things, your spidey senses should be tingling, like, you know, kind (laughs) of pay attention to that behavior. And it's unfortunate too, but I feel like there's that racial layer as well of I'm very outspoken. I have bravado that takes up some space. So like people are not as likely to try me because I feel like it's it's honestly worked in my favor where it's like, yeah, if you do, you know, it's going to come back to you because I'm probably going to like tell everybody the fuck that I know to prevent any more of this, like getting out into the world. And it sucks because I, I actually have shot with people who have been like blacklisted as like trash photographers, but I'm like, but I didn't have a negative experience. So it's like my heart always goes out to people who have you know, had really bad experiences with people that I've worked with because I'm like, that's just not a thing that I experienced. And it's not even like, I don't even believe you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that make you want to, I guess, help other people who are up and coming in the industry? Absolutely. I'm always down to provide Mm -hmm. like references for people that I've worked with and honest ones too, Mm -hmm. not just like some bullshit of like, oh, he'll pay you. It's fine. You know, like, yeah, honestly telling that person like, yeah, no, like he is definitely like kind of weird. So just be prepared for like some weird things that he will say. And if you have someone that can go with you, I mean, obviously a lot of photographers prefer to not have extra people in the room, but like that's a really important like safety thing. Like sometimes you really just have to like have another person around you um, for better or worse to like have like a second set of ears and eyes to you know record something right but yeah I mean a lot of times like it's kind of weird because I have had like moments where I thought about putting out you know some kind of like patreon or like a blog or something about modeling advice but then I always feel like weird about it I don't know like the educator side of me doesn't want to get into that because I'm like my experience is also like pretty nuanced So I don't know that it would necessarily apply to everyone. Like I fight with myself a lot about it, actually. (laughs) But anytime someone asks like directly, I'm always like an open book. I have no problems with it because like so much of the wealth of this industry is like talking to people and sharing experiences and learning from, you know, anyone that you can. So I am piling up more questions about all these other things, (laughs) but there is One more part of the modeling that I wanted to ask about, and it kind of relates to some more recent trends where, you know, Kamala Harris for the cover of Vanity Fair and then the new Megan the Stallion photos. I've actually seen people say they're upset with how Megan was shot for Harper's Bazaar. Do you feel like 
more often people do shoot you in your skin tone properly than not. (laughs) 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 Woo! Um. (laughs) Okay, okay. I you know I was hoping maybe like giving a little room. No, okay. No, yeah, it's been a real struggle. Because also as someone who my skin tone changes throughout the year. So it's like if I'm outside in the summer, I'm super tan and my tone is like a lot deeper of like a red brown versus right now in the dead of winter where I look super fucking pale. So I think sometimes like people will see pictures of me and then too, like depending on like how someone has edited them, they'll be like, oh, all right, well, I know how to shoot to make it look like that picture. But I've had people who've shot me and I've either come out like super whitewashed because of the way that they've either like lit the photo to begin with and then edited. Even other people of color have like not lit me well to the point where I'm like, that doesn't look like my actual skin tone. <laughs> like, what are what are we looking at right now? Like, it really depends on at that point, like that person's level of understanding of like lighting And the way that their camera and like their f-stop and like all of the settings, you know, working together. So it's really, oh, I've had some really fucked experiences. Yeah. But that's work that I also don't have to rely on like publishing (laughs) and like putting in my own portfolio. It's really funny. One time I had a, a photographer in New York who was like super excited to shoot me. And he was like, I wonder if you'll put something of mine in your portfolio, like when I get the images back to you. And I'm like, it's a 50-50 shot. Like if you <laughs> if you take some really bad photos of me, they're not gonna make it. Cause yeah, I hate to break it to you, but I need to be able to publish like high quality work. It speaks to like not only the quality but the level of skill that a model has, like the poses can be phenomenal, but if the picture itself is bad, there's nothing you can do. There's no redemption there. You never know. Like someone will potentially only see one image of you and decide based on that, whether or not they want to hire you. So you can't take back a first impression. You only get that one shot. So, so I guess it would be like, uh, just a reminder message to photographers who want to do this work that it especially matters to the models of color that you work with, that you respect their skin tone and you yeah. like work with them. Like, does, does anyone ever have a conversation with you about it ahead of time where they're like, do you have a preferred lighting that works well for you? Like, has anyone ever sat down with you and been like, Hey, what works? <laughs> Oh, no, no. And like, I, I don't know if it's because it's such an afterthought, you know, where it's like, I'll get to the lighting, I'll get to everything when we're actually on set. And I'm like, literally picking and choosing what the lighting is going to be. Or like, if it's an on location thing, and we're using natural light, that has a bearing as well. But yeah, for the most part, I will ask, you know, obviously like what the concept is that they want to shoot at the time that we're like establishing the booking. But I, yeah, I don't like to get into the minds of photographers because I'm like, if you need to talk to me about like how you're going to light me, that's a quick conversation we can have before we're actually like working together in person. But like, I don't want to send 50 emails back and forth about like how you're thinking of lighting me. So it, it wouldn't even be unwelcomed it just doesn't seem like super necessary at that point to me 
if and when it's come up, I think I've had maybe two people ask for advice on how to light me. And I'm like, that's one thing that I can confidently say. I am pretty much a novice when it comes to lighting and like, I've been experimenting more with my own photography and videography work. So I'm learning more about it, but I don't know that I'd be able to explain that to someone else yet. Like I'm, I'm not there. So in those talks, it's like, well, you will notice depending on if you're using like soft boxes versus led lights or gel lights, you'll notice the differences in how they react to my skin tone and like shadows and everything like that. But like, it's the the little things that you have to pay attention to. Like, what is the the mood that you're trying to evoke with the image to begin with? So that's really like the only thing that I could offer other than the placement. <laughs> you know, if you're <laughs> yeah. using two different lights, obviously having one that's up higher and then one that's lower. So you can make sure that the entire body is lit evenly is important. I think it also speaks to like a, the larger conversation of like the default for a lot of photography, film, and why Insecure was such even like a big deal was because they properly lit black people for the first time and people were like, oh, it's like how band-aids are neutral or the, the neutral stockings or whatever. It's based around whiteness. You think ballerinas want to be dying your fucking shoes? Like people don't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's just, it's always makes me so sad. There's so much privilege packed into whiteness and especially small things like that, that they don't have to think about versus like us struggling to find neutral, natural shit that's actually like a shade of brown. (laughs) It also seems like it should just be like from your answers. It's just kind of like you're a photographer. You should know how to do your fucking job. Yeah. Like like, I wouldn't even know how to approach that without, again, trying to like rein in the condescension because it's like, why are you asking the model how to light the model? I'm not here to tell you how to light me. (laughs) Like, It's in the way that I have had makeup artists also do like some whitewashing where it's like, again, trying to match your skin tone and they're looking at it and just being like, um, uh, I don't know. Or being told that you have to bring your own concealer and or foundation to set because they I won't have anything that matches know. you. <laughs> like, mm. so I've gotten good at doing my own makeup just for that because I'm like, one, don't know. Usually I'll like, like I'll ask if there'll be a makeup artist provided or like the person booking me will tell me. Yeah, for the times that there is one, I'm like, don't know if I have to be nervous now. Like, uh, hopefully this is not going to be a bad time. It's very wild. Just like that also affects your work for the day where it's just like, are these people competent? Like do like they can't even understand me on a base level. Yes. So this is just. It almost comes down to. You know, I've been doing this for so long that like, I don't even think about the frustrations with it anymore. Like I just accept them as the norm. And that's its own like weird kind of bittersweet moment. Cause it's like, damn, like this wouldn't exist in any other type of industry, but because like so much of this is like a surface presentation oriented industry. It's like, we have to deal with this because it's like the sacrifice of one being independent and then two allowing myself to make an entire brand and 
just all of my income based off of like the way that I look. That's the trade-off. Like I have to be just like willing to accept that there are people who are just like blindingly incompetent and I just have to roll with those punches because this is the way that I am choosing to, you know, make a living. But I feel like you've been a lot more busy with projects. I feel like you've busied yourself even more so than usual. So do you want to talk about the different things you've been into lately? And Yeah, I'm like trying to get back into blogging. Like I just launched a new portfolio website, which believe it or not, I have never had. So I've always utilized like social media to be like my portfolio. And there are so many different like free platforms that I'm like, I don't need to have a website. That's absurd. But with everything that's happening with these crazy ass bills threatening everything about like our First Amendment and free speech, it's just like, LOL, I should have my own little corner nook of the Internet. So let me just jump on that. I'm like still like fleshing out like different articles and stuff that I want to write because I'm like, I have so many different ideas that I'm like, I don't know what to like commit to first, but um, that's like another huge project. And then as it stands right now, like I've kind of just been trying to figure out like the whole uh, subscription platform. Cause like I said, I have a just for fans and yeah. um, I've done so much work on it. Cause I've only had it for the past year. And it's been like this really huge undertaking to be like your own like at home uh, production company, essentially. I'm shooting all of my content. I'm editing all of my content. And so at this point, I'm kind of like sick <laughs> of just the entire <laughs> process of making content. I'm like, I started out modeling because one, I wanted to improve, you know, my skill set around that. But like, I also realized I genuinely enjoyed that type of like collaboration and like shooting with other people. So I'm like, this is not working for me that well. Cause I'm like, I don't, I want to shoot other people. I don't, or I want other people to shoot me. I don't want to shoot myself. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about like that mental block, but it's like, I just can't. Huh. So yeah, like trying to, I guess, like, figure out, like, how I'm going to start, like, tackling that to make it, like, spark joy again. Because at first it was like, oh, like, I can shoot all these different things. And now I've just kind of, like, lost steam on it. And um, my podcast playlist for that is the newest project that I'm working on. And Ade will actually be a guest on there. So you guys can yeah. look forward to that. Um, but yeah. <laughs> what about your first fiction novel? What is up with that? Still in like the planning phase. So it's pretty much just like outline. But I can say it's going to be based off of a relationship that I'm no longer in. And just about like alternative parenting and like what that looks like from the lens of the people who are the parents as well as people who they date. Because I'm like polyamory has like taken on this life of its own in social media and like mainstream media at that. But a lot of people haven't written like stories, like fictional stories about it, um, at least that I've like seen. And I'm like, how has this not crept into, you know, more of like what we're seeing? Like we're talking about it, but it's not taking up space in like TV shows, films, like anything like that. So I had this experience. I can like talk about it and see like what that ended up, ends up happening with it. 
to even undertake writing a novel in the first place is so much. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, ooh, I'm really, really jumping into this. Um, but it's it's been something that I've wanted to do for so long that I'm like, my life won't be complete until I get this out of me. So also in the realm of writing, the erotic short stories that you want to write or have written, how did those come about? So a while ago, a supporter follower of mine asked if I would write erotica. And I'm like, I've only written editorials. My background is creative writing. Like that's like what my degree was, English and creative writing. I just like have never played around with it. Like this is gonna sound so nerdy outside of writing like fan fiction when I was in like high school. And so I'm like, yeah, I can have like ideas about like different types of stories that I would like to see, but it, it won't mean anything until I like actually like get it out into the world. So that's kind of like what I'm trying to focus on um, in this next year. Like if I'm going to have stuff on my blog or there are a few different like platforms specifically for like erotica and I'm like, maybe I'll just like submit some pieces to that and see what happens. It's all about like inclusivity. And so for me, I would like to have more erotica that focuses on, you know, people who you don't conventionally think of when you think erotic stories or ideas around more sensory sort of experiences instead of like the vocal communication. Still trying to work out the kinks on that as well, but I'm like, all right, I have ideas. Fingers crossed that (laughs) shortly people will actually be reading them. It seems like a lot of your creative work and your work work cross over big time. So how do you kind of keep yourself in a healthy mindset and separate things sometimes and like give yourself lone creative time away from work? Uh, the long and short of it is I don't <laughs> No, but <laughs> I, I actually really struggle with that because so much of the work that pays my bills is like so demanding and there's not really like a set schedule for it. So it's like, whenever I, you know, get the project done, it's done. But like, even for my creative works and things that like, I want to do, trying to find the time to dedicate to that stuff, it feels so hard, because then I also be like, well, I could be using this time to edit more photos or edit more videos and do something else like, you know, because I'm like, that's the capitalistic nature of like, no, be productive, right? Like, Mm -hmm. for the most part, I'm trying to strike a better balance around like scheduling things and like giving myself some sort of routine. So that way I don't have to worry about like not feeling as productive as possible and still having like, you know, a work life balance. Although I heard something the other day that was like, it's impossible to have a work-life balance where like you're working five days out of the week and then you have two days that are supposed to be for relaxation. But most people have taken on like 30 different side hustles to be able to exist. So like you don't have the relaxation that you're supposed to. So it's like there's never going to be a moment where you have perfect work-life balance if you continue to have that sort of structure to your life. So I'm like, all right, how do I 
create that for myself? How do I give myself three days out of the week where I'm working and then three days out of the week where I'm giving myself permission to work on like recreational projects or things that like I just genuinely, genuinely enjoy and like not feel bad about it. It's so much of the work around like the mentality and, you know, just feeling good (laughs) about not working, I guess, which is like not a weird sentence. I I feel like we do need to get like more comfortable just being like, no, if it's not completely dire for me to work, then like I should not have to force myself to do it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any mutual aid groups you want to give a shout out to or um, different resources for people that you use or have worked with? Actually, BIPOC does a sex worker mutual aid grant each month. It's $500 and you can apply through the BIPOC-collective.org website. Um, or actually, I don't think we're .org. I think it's .com. Sorry. I'm like, that's where my brain's at right now. We're eventually, hopefully going to be a .org. <laughs> but um, Pineapple Support is a free and or extremely cheap mental health resource for people that are in the sex industry. Stilettos is like the local stripper strike org that, mm-hmm. um, you know, is really taking on like a lot of that fight. Uh, so you can check them out. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. thank you guys. This is a lot of fun. Thank God. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> And that concludes our interview with Jessa Jordan. You can find her all over the internet at Miss Jessa Jordan, including her website, MissJessaJordan.com. And don't forget to check out her podcast, where you can hear a day as a guest. It's called There's a Playlist for That, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find Creatives on Deck on any podcast streaming platform and on Instagram at Creatives on Deck. Got a question? Send us an email, creativesondeck at gmail.com. See you next week. Oh!